0: Look, we all make mistakes, and making mistakes is a part of being an entrepreneur, but the problem is when we make the same mistakes over and over again, and we see other people make those mistakes, and we do them anyway. So this particular episode, I'm gonna teach you five major mistakes that new entrepreneurs make. No guests in this episode, just you and me having a conversation and listening to the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now, your host, when he wants to learn something, he hires a mentor to save him time, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use. And one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up and welcome to session 390, no, 369 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And to help you, we're talking about mistakes. And these are major mistakes that newbie entrepreneurs and veteran entrepreneurs make. And like I said earlier, it's important to know what these things are so you can either avoid them or catch yourself before it's too late, and we're just going to get started here because uh, I don't want to waste your time. So let's start with the first one. And this is creating a business for everyone. I remember when I first started my business, I would look for inspiration from toy companies, companies where when I was in school and stuff and, and uh, in college, I just everybody had an iPhone, everybody has a fidget spinner, everybody has, you know, all those kinds of things. And it's like, how do I build the next fidget spinner? The thing that everybody's talking about, the thing that everybody has. Now, for one, if you're in the fidget spinner business, I feel bad for you because how many knockoffs and other versions and just how competitive it is. It's just, you know, I don't want to ever be in the fidget spinner business. I have something that looks similar. It's called a switchpod, but it's very specific to a very specific kind of person, a vlogger, a person who films uh, with with their cameras. And this is a way for you to hold your camera out at a distance and then easily go from vlogger mode to tripod mode in seconds. And that's the answer. It's not building a business for everybody. It's building a business for a specific kind of person, a particular market that has a very specific set of problems and can Benefit from a very specific set of solutions. This is a very common thing. You know, when I had done my Ask Pat show uh, in voicemail style, where I used to collect voicemail questions and then just answer them kind of one off in every episode, starting in episode 1001, it became more of a coaching call. And please make sure to subscribe to Ask Pat. If you haven't done so already, it's a fantastic show and it's it's uber helpful. Um, but a lot of the questions that came in were, how do I build my how do I build my audience and get bigger? And you know, how do I make sure my product appeals to more people? Those kinds of things. Those are the wrong kinds of questions to ask. You should be instead of asking how can my product appeal to more people, you should be instead of asking yourself what kinds of problems can a very specific kind of person have. And how does my solution actually solve that problem? How can my product, how can my sales page better explain that it is the solution for them? A story that I wanna tell you that I learned way back in the day relates to a particular kind of bug spray that was invented. Now, whether this is a myth or actual, like a story that really happened, I'm not sure, but I think the lesson still pertains. And that is, this man, he created a bug spray that killed every single bug in the world. You know, So he was like, this is great. This is going to be the one-all, end-all, end-all, be-all of all bug sprays. So I'm going to put it on the shelves, and it's going to sell like hotcakes. And guess what? It didn't sell very well. Why? Because a person who has an ant problem, they don't need a universal bug spray. They have a very, very specific problem right then and there, and they want to get the best ant killer. People who had a spider problem, they go get the spider killer. Roach problem, roach killer, You know, bed bugs, bed bug killer, or whatever. Are there there such a thing? I don't know. But then this person took the same formula and packaged it into a bottle that said the number one ant killer. Then another one for the roach killer and the spider killer and the whatever. And it flew off the shelves because when a person has that particular kind of problem, they want to find a very specific solution that they know is exactly just for them. Now the funny thing about this is you may have a product or a coaching service or a tool or software that can solve many people's problems. For instance, I know a number of coaches out there who wanna help everybody from athletes to authors and those are very different kinds of people even though the programming is essentially the same. And the answer is just like with the bug spray. You need to package your material in a way that is specifically addressing a specific market's set of problems. So if you're just starting out, here's what I would recommend. Pick a market, talk to those people, and learn exactly what those problems are. Don't start with a product and then try to force people in. And even if you know it's a great solution, you have to go through the process of talking to people about it. This is what I teach in my course, Smart From Scratch, and it is one of the most challenging things, but it is the most beneficial thing, why? Because you understand which direction to go, not based on guessing, but based, based on actual research and actual conversations. A byproduct of that is you'll also have empathy for your potential customers instead of just hoping to find people later and even making up avatars and other things, which those are those are decent exercises to have an ideal customer with a name and a life, and you can kinda try and guess what their life would be like if they had this problem uh, and, and, and your solution in their life. But better than that is actual people, right? Because then you can go back to them and ask questions and feel for them and actually build something that is very specific to them. If you already have a business, then it might be worth finding out what buckets in your business exist. And this was a huge thing for me in my business with Smart Passive Income. Can't remember what year, 2014, 2015, I was introduced to a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque. He has a new book called Choose, uh, which is just as great. But in Ask, I learned that by asking my audience questions like, what are you struggling with right now? What are your income? Uh, what, what's your income at this point with your business? Do you even have a business yet? That allowed me to understand the different buckets in my audience that should be served in different ways. So I'm a, I am have a little bit more of a challenge than many people in that I have several different kinds of people who visit smartpassiveincome.com, who listen to the Smart Passive Income podcast, who don't know exactly if every single piece of content will be for them. But I do my best through segmentation on my email list and I use ConvertKit to help make that happen. Uh, big shout out to ConvertKit, I'm an advisor and also an affiliate for that, and if uh, you wanna get hooked up with a good free trial offer, just go to smartpassiveincome.com slash ConvertKit. Anyway, going back to what I was saying, now that I've segmented my audience and I know where those people exist, I know exactly how to speak to them, I can talk to them, have conversations, understand them, and deliver better services, products and tools and software to them. And so that's your step. If you have a business and you're having struggles with really nailing down who is in your audience and how to serve them, well, figure out what kinds of buckets exist, what sub niches in the niche that you're targeting. And you know what? The answer for some people is to literally change position and go deeper. And that's actually something that I'm experimenting right now on YouTube specifically because YouTube and people who subscribe to my YouTube channel are a little bit confused on the videos that come out and not confused that like, oh, is this gonna be good or not? It's just, is this gonna be useful? Is this something that relates to me right now? The best and most ideal situation is a subscriber on a channel like YouTube or your blog or your podcast knows that they can get what they expect with every single video. Now, I think that many of you who are listening to the podcast right now expect Great information, great conversation, some fun, some entertainment at the same time. And that's a little bit, you know, I have a little bit more flexibility here on the podcast, especially because I've reached that level already where it is hitting the masses. And at that point, you can have a little bit more freedom. But when you're just starting out, you have to pick a lane, stick with it, and own it. Cool? Cool. All right, so that was business mistake number one. Let's talk about number two. And this relates to an episode that was published a month ago, uh, one or two months, yeah, one month ago, episode 365 with Paul Jarvis, and this was an amazing episode that uh, really opened up my eyes, and I know many of your, your eyes, or ears, I should say, to exactly how much growth is necessary Growth is something that's interesting. We always talk about growing and scaling our businesses and for newbies especially, especially once you start get going getting going and you're starting to get some income, you just want to continue to grow and get bigger and bigger. And I don't know if it's a scarcity mindset thing because, you know, we're we're not used to that or you know when you, you know, if you were a cave person and you came across a an apple tree, you just have to have all the apples, right? Because those apples may not exist later on and you might starve. So, I don't know if that if it's if it comes from that, but Always feeling like you have to continue to grow is the issue. The point is, how far do you need to grow? What are your goals? And can you be happy with that? It's so funny because when I talk to entrepreneurs who aren't happy, they're like, oh, well, I haven't, I had, you know, our our growth this year was only 5% and over last year, and it's just, you know, I feel like it should be more. And I'm like, but you have this amazing life and your business is going well, your employees are happy and your products are selling. Is it just because of the fact that you didn't grow means you're not happy? Do you have to grow to be happy? And these are really important questions that you should consider. And so I'd highly recommend checking out episode 365, In the back catalog from last month, it was a very, very good episode. And that's what I really love about Paul's new book, which is Company of One. Uh, For those of you who didn't listen to that episode, it doesn't mean you have to have only one person in your company. I think everybody who listens to SPI knows that I have multiple people on my team, but that doesn't mean that you have to keep growing and have 20 people and 30 people and 100 people and 500 people. And I know a lot of companies who can very successfully grow even with a small number of people. So it's not about the people. It's about the mindset of how far do you need to go and what would make you happy. And the point is, if you continue to just behave and act and do without the purpose of a destination, then, well, then you're just gonna run yourself to the ground or be unhappy, even though you maybe could be happy. You know, it's like, uh, if you didn't get those numbers, well, why is that not good? now if there you know there there are many cases where you have to meet certain numbers and you have people to pay or you know you have certain things that you're working toward and you know reaching those goals are important but just the idea of growing for growing is not good you need to grow for purpose or be happy with where you're at and be okay with that and i think when it comes especially to lifestyle design continuing to grow and scale and building for lifestyle is completely different. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. I think they can be done and, and, and it can be smart, especially when you start utilizing other people or systems or tools or automations to help you. But go and listen to that episode with Paul Jarvis. It's, it's really eye-opening and it just makes you question, okay, well, why are you feeling like you need to grow all the time? All right, moving on. Moving on to number three. That is thinking and worrying about and getting discouraged because of the competition especially if you're just starting out and you feel like you're a small fry or a small fish in this bigger pond. Competition is great for a number of reasons. Number one, it shows that there is a market out there and there are people who are in that space who love to listen or absorb content or read or watch videos or buy products. Having competition out there means that you are entering a space that is proven to work. Uh, not always the case, uh, you know. There could be two startups uh, doing something completely different, and you know those two people can be competitors. And it doesn't necessarily mean there is a market. But oftentimes the case when I speak to new entrepreneurs, especially, they get so worried about the competition and the fact that somebody else has done it already and for much longer. Let me let me speak to that really quick. Number one, nobody's done it like you. You are only you're the only you in this world. And therefore, you have unique experiences, a unique voice, a unique style. And just because somebody else is talking about the same topic or creating products about the same product, you know they're not going to do it the same way you are unless you straight up copy them, which is illegal and you don't want to do that either. And I think all of you are smart enough not to just blatantly copy and rip people off. I I would hope so. And if that's you, just please leave now. The other thing about this is competition is great because they can give you clues to what actually can be done better, so that you can actually beat the competition. So I have a podcasting course, many of you know it, poweruppodcasting.com. It's helped thousands of people start a podcast, and it's amazing, and thank you all for the support. Uh, The students in there are always great at sharing it and bringing new new students in, I appreciate you for that. Again, that's at poweruppodcasting.com. When I built that course and was determining what the unique selling proposition was, It was very simple for me to know how to be different and stand out because there were other courses out there. And if you wanna do research on the competition, just check out their sales pages. Check out what people are saying in the reviews. Those are great ways to determine, well, how can you make your product different and better? So with Power Up Podcasting, for example, there were a lot of online courses to help people become a podcaster. Some of them had Loads of videos, like hundreds of videos. And so it was very easy for me because I don't want to, you know, do that to my audience and students. I made sure to only include the videos that you need to do what it is that I promise and set out for in the course. The other benefit of that is you don't have to waste your time. You can get to the results much quicker and you avoid the overwhelm. So that's just a little side tip for those of you who are creating online courses. It's not about the quantity of videos and content in there. It's about the quality of them. In fact, my favorite online course that I ever took was from Michael Hyatt. And that course is called Five Days to Your Best Year Ever five days of videos one video per day each one between 15 and 20 minutes in length just literally five or six videos because I think there was an introduction video as well and that's it and it did exactly what it needed to do help me plan my next year and I've taken that course four years in a row now to plan every new year and I'm going to take it again at the end of this year and I usually bring a number of students along with me and so look out for that later so we can uh, crush 2020 together in the future but Point being, that was a part of my differentiation for Power Up Podcasting. Another differentiator is the fact that many of these courses didn't really go deep into the marketing and the launch of your course. Yes, they talked about the launch. Yes, they talked about how to get your show out there. But my specialty and my sort of superpower, especially with nearly 10 years of experience in the space, is the marketing of just things. And to put that superpower into the podcasting course so that people would not just start their podcast but also get listeners. Uh, it just made it more easy for them to share and, then, and get those results afterwards. Uh, and so that was another differentiator. Another differentiator was my office hours. So I include office hours uh, for every single course that I do and it allows for me to directly have a contact and connection with my students. So if they ever come across a problem, it, Is just something they can ask in office hours if they don't get the answer in the Facebook Student Center, and they can just continue on their merry way and continue growing and and getting through the course, which is great. The completion rate of the course is amazing, by the way, which I'm so proud of, because many people actually don't take action on the courses they buy, which is unfortunate. But it doesn't have to be an online course that you're, you're launching. It could be anything. And seeing what's out there already and making clear and conscious decisions about why you are different, that's called positioning. You cannot position yourself if you don't know what's around you, right? How can you put a pin on the map if you don't have the map? So do your market map and see the competition that's out there. What are they doing? Why do people like them? Why do people don't like them? What are some holes that are missing? And how can you explicitly, in your sales copy, in your messaging, in your sales videos, and in your course, show that you have the better solution for that person, right? Because a part of this, also differentiators are putting you and your own voice into things too. So that's why it's important, especially with something like coaching. If, 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 if you're offering coaching and you don't have anything that shares your personality and the kind of person you are, well, guess what? How is anybody connect, gonna connect with you? Why would they pay money to connect with somebody that they don't already have a connection with unless it was just highly referred to by others who, guess what, they already have a connection with? So your job as a coach, if you are a coach, is to put yourself out there and show your differentiators which are not just your programming and the features and all those other things, it's you. What is your style? And in doing so, and in and being explicit about what you have to offer and how you offer it, you're gonna do two things. You're gonna weed out the people who wouldn't resonate with you, who would likely, maybe if they were convinced to buy, they would just wouldn't resonate or be a good student or they just end up complaining the whole time. You can weed them out, but you also attract the right people in too. So competition is a great, great thing. The other part about competition is I like to try to reframe competition as potential partners because there's always ways that people, even if they're serving the same audience, there are so many ways that people can work together. Now obviously there are some direct competition comparisons where obviously you don't wanna promote that other person's product because it literally is solving the same problem. That's why I don't promote other people's podcasting courses because I have my own, and that would be a conflict of interest and most of all, just confusing to my audience. But secondly, there are ways that you could partner with those people still. For example, if there was a person in your space who had a higher-level coaching program and they have a lower-level coaching program as well, well, you could take people in your own lower-level coaching program and push them into that person's higher-level coaching program because maybe they You know, are able to take them further than you could yourself with the knowledge you have or even the time and bandwidth that you have to offer. So there are ways to actually work together and then perhaps that person would wanna maybe spend more time with the higher level clients and actually then starts to feed all the lower level clients to you because you love working at the beginning phase with people, with whatever market that you're into. Just a made up idea, but there are ways that you can get creative and work together now doing that in a cold fashion, meaning just reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, you're my competition, but let's work together that often doesn't work very well where these kinds of partnerships come from are relationships meeting each other at events or introductions from others and creative ideas that can go along with making it a win for both sides and that's the most important thing when it comes to the competition there are ways that competitions can work together to both benefit and grow and again make sure everybody is a winner all right how we doing we're going to take a quick break just to breathe <sighs> and on my mind right now is uh, my new book. I'm really excited about it. Did you know that I have a new book coming out? If you don't, I'm super stoked for it. It's called Superfans. And this is, this is an answer to many businesses' problems for growth and success because too many brands and businesses are focused on traffic, SEO, bringing new people into their brand when guess what? you need to be focused on the people who are there. And if you're small, this is great, because this is gonna allow you to grow faster internally with the people who are already in your brand. And then if you are a giant company, a big brand, even thousands of employees, you should be going back to some of the basics of what it actually takes to build a super fan, because you've often sort of like leave that, you forget about those things. And this is a book that is a result of my most popular presentation that I've given in a few places and I've extrapolated it, made it even better, and turned it into a formula for you, and it's gonna be awesome. So I don't know, quite honestly, if there is a landing page available for that book yet, but uh, there will be at some point because I record these podcasts ahead of time, and you know, the team is doing an amazing job right now of taking the first draft as we speak and turning it into a better second draft. And uh, we're making the covers and we're getting all the, we're, we're putting all the pieces together. But I just wanted to, to tease that to you. It is something that's going to be uh, released in August. and uh, if there is a link, it'll take you to a presale page at smartpassiveincome.com/superfans. One word, smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans. And you can get in early and there may be some deals and other things there where you can, I don't, I don't know how we're gonna promote it yet. Honestly, I'm just right in the middle of uh, thinking about all that right now with my team. So I'm just super stoked to share it with you and I hope you enjoy it when it comes out. But uh, yeah, let's 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 make some noise with it. Superfans at smartpassiveincome.com slash superfans. Sweet, I haven't written a book since Will It Fly came out in 2016. And uh, it's about time because it, It was one of my favorite things, especially seeing people read the book and actually take action with it. And and this is really this is uh, a very very important book and piece of work in my in my life. And I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's move on to major mistake number four, and that is picking the wrong mentor. Mentorship is really important. It's important to have somebody who can help you, whether that is a actual mentor who is actually in contact with you, who you can go to and have calls with, and who can give you advice and directions that that's like the ultimate mentor and to be quite honest i didn't have a mentor like that until several years after i started my business but i oh man i wish i had one sooner because we get so confused it's it's hard to know what to do and you know what's right and you know there's so many options out there we have to have mentors or people to help give us direction I got a lot of my direction from being in mastermind groups, which were kind of like a group of small mentors and I was mentoring others, and it's more of just colleagues versus mentorships, but it still was very helpful. I had virtual mentors, that is people who I followed on blogs and YouTube uh, and now podcasts as well, who are guiding me in certain directions, and a big mistake that I see people make when it comes to mentorship. I'm so thankful that everybody knows that having a mentor or People to look up to or inspiration is very important. I think we all know how important that is. But where a lot of people get it wrong, especially beginner entrepreneurs, is they choose the wrong mentors. They're choosing people based on their success by numbers, by you know a lot of what, what is shown in terms of like Instagram, oh, I wanna look like her, I wanna be like him, I wanna be as rich as that guy, those kinds of things versus lifestyle mentors, meaning Choosing a person who is where you wanna be in life, not where you wanna be in business. You see the the, the distinction there? This is a really important distinction. You know, When I first started out, my mentor was an author of a book that I read called The 4-Hour Workweek. You likely know who that is. That's Tim Ferriss. And it was very inspirational to me. I, I considered him a mentor because he was where I wanted to be as a business. Successful author sort of freedom, he, he talked about this thing called the new rich, and that is having a freedom, uh, sort of lifestyle-based business, that's why it was called the four-hour work week uh, delegation, and he did inspire me to create businesses that were more passive than active when I first started. However, it soon became apparent that he was not going to be my lifetime mentor, somebody who would then help me inspire to be the person that I wanted to be. No offense to Tim, I loved him, I've met him, I I love everything he does. He's been on the show before. I fanboyed a little bit in episode 51. I don't wanna listen to that because it's kind of embarrassing. But he's not living a kind of life that I wanna live. Travels a lot, speaks a lot, does a lot of these experimentations. I'm not exactly sure what his family life is like, but I don't believe he has kids. And I am now looking toward mentors who are not only successful in business, but have built a business and are successful in life with family. That's why two people stand out to me right now as my current mentors, Michael Hyatt from michaelhyatt.com, just the way that he has brought his family into his business and everybody, like every time I go see the Hyatts in Tennessee, I am so inspired to come back and just, I, I love my family even more. And I, I, I realize just the kind of life that we can have even when the kids are adults. Um, and, and Michael being a mentor to his children at the same time, it's very inspirational to me. And just the fact that they continue to have family as their number one priority, yet they are able to experiment and do these, all bu- these big businesses and make things work and inspire people like me. I love that. I love Michael Hyatt and everything he's doing. And he's a huge mentor for me. And another one is Chalene Johnson who's been on the show before as well and I believe that she is coming back uh, very soon. Actually no, she was she was here on the in, in in an April episode. Actually it was the one after Paul Jarvis where she talked about work life balance and family and how to prioritize. And you could probably hear if you heard that episode, that was episode 366. You can see just how she prioritizes her family and her life. She could have built a successful ski fashion business and she has the resources to do that but she also knows that that would take her time away from family and it's not really her mo to do that to do that because it would take her away from her love of skiing it would just turn it into a business and so being conscious about those things are really important and i love the life decisions that chalene has made over time since sort of stepping away a little bit from the fitness arena in the infomercial space and i just admire her for that and her her family's great too and her son brock is is crushing it in college and he's fun uh and and uh, brett her husband is also just an amazing person and i just i just love everything about them so uh those are two mentors of mine because they are living life like how my family would want to live life and you know i could have a mentor like um you know, it, 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 the thing is, I still get inspiration from others. Don't get me wrong. I still am inspired by Elon Musk, and he's a huge uh, sort of mentor of mine in terms of imagination and thinking. But he's not living the life I want to live. And knowing that is so important because then I don't have to take actions that would fall outside of my com- like my, my my goals. And my, my uh, for those of you who have read Will It Fly?, my sheet of paper that is folded into a paper airplane that has written on it exactly the kind of life I want to have five years from now. And actually it's about time to start doing that exercise again because it's almost been five years since I last did that exercise. And so far I'm saying yes to all the right things and and saying no to all the right things too, which is which is really cool. So point being, you should have a mentor. You should have people you look up to. But A primary mentor of yours should be somebody who's living a life like you want to live related to the things that are important to you. So if you are a parent, for example, you should probably have a mentor who is also a parent because they're going to understand that part of life and it's just completely different. I don't know, do you agree? Let me know what you think. At Pat Flynn on Instagram or Twitter, let's have a conversation about this. Do you agree with... You know, picking a mentor that is where you you are at in life, or do you w- would you rather pick mentors that are just more specific on business because you're trying to build your business? Hopefully, you could see that it's important to think about the whole package of life, not just your business life or just your personal life. They all kind of go together. Hey, team Flynn, really quick before we finish up on the last big mistake, uh, and it is a big one. Trust me. I don't get to do this very often because this is a solo show that doesn't happen because we have a lot of amazing guests that I want to have on the show and share with you their wisdom and knowledge. And so all of you, unless you are in a car driving or in a position to not do this, please stay safe. I would love to know where you are in the world listening to this right now, like your best view or camera or picture that would show just the environment that you're in. I've, I've done this a couple times b- before, and people have shared these amazing mountaintop views. They just finished a hike, and you're listening to this, which is – I'm like, wow, thanks for, this is amazing. Like, what a wonderful view you've taken me to. This is great. Other people are in a plane. Other people are just hanging out with a baby on their chest. Uh, Other people are at the gym, rocking out, working out, pumping harder. And I just want to know where in the world you're listening at. So if you want to give me a shout out either on an Instagram story, I'll I'll repost some of them for you. Uh, And even on Twitter, I'll retweet some of you guys and just show me a picture where you're at. Please do not do this if you are driving. Just continue to drive, eyes on the road, and listen in on this final business mistake here because this is a big one. And that is people forget, entrepreneurs forget, the value of time over money. Very, very common mistake, especially in the beginning stages because there is this idea that we have to save every dollar at the start because we're bootstrapping, because we don't have any extra money where there comes a point when you start to get your systems down, you start to do things that a little bit more efficiently, uh, there comes a point in your business where you can and should be having other people do things for you. I think when it starts out, you should be doing everything yourself. I'm, I'm a very, very big proponent of when you start a business, uh, do everything yourself. If you're starting a podcast, do it all yourself. It's very important to do that because a couple of reasons. Number one, you understand the art behind it. You understand just how much effort is included. and. Thirdly, you also get to understand how you want to do it or how you want it to be done, your own style, the way you voice it, et cetera. And then there comes a point when you are doing too much of that and are unable to move on to next steps because you're continually producing. You're producing, you're producing, you're producing. You're not marketing, you're not promoting, you're not building relationships. You're producing, you're producing, you're producing because that's what it takes to get started. But eventually you have to understand the value of your time. And if you do not realize that spending a little bit of money to get some help and alleviate some time for you, that time is going to be wasted. And so I would encourage many of you at the start to think about, I'm not saying pull the trigger right now, but determine when might be a great point. Maybe it's a certain dollar value that you earn. Maybe it's a certain number of hours that you're putting into something that you eventually, after that, you have to hand it off and, and, and just honor that. Uh, you have to get to a point where you have to understand when you are going to hire somebody, whether it's a VA or a support person or an admin person or an integrator or what have you, to help support you in your business. When I teach podcasting, especially to, to my advanced students, and I just had launched uh, Amped Up Podcasting a couple months ago to great success, and I'm super stoked on it, and uh, you know, the, the first lesson in Amped Up Podcasting, the A in AMP stands for automation, because the most podcasters who do it on their own, which is great, I encourage that, they then do not have the time to market their show or promote it or, or profit from it, which is what the M and the P stand for in AMP. So Automation, Market, and Profit You cannot market in profit if you are just in work mode all the time producing your show. So it comes a point when you have to learn to invest and that's what money should be done for you is invest. Invest so you get time back so you can do it in other things. And again, very, very difficult to do at the start, but you have to be conscious of the time at which or what would be the trigger for you to then determine that, okay, I'm spending too much time on this. I value my time. I'm gonna spend some money because that's, something I can always invest in and get back that time to be able to make more money or just at least relieve some stress or have some breathing room or spend more time with the family or whatever is important to you, whatever else you want to do with those hours. Uh, It becomes a struggle because you get so, like, in order to grow as a business, you have to adapt and change. Now, this goes back to point number two, which I made about Company of One and Paul Jarvis in episode uh, 365. You know, growing to grow is not a good thing. Knowing where you're growing, no, I like that. Knowing where you're growing is important. And where do you want to grow to? And like, be happy with that. Anyway, just, I don't, I don't know, maybe you might consider this episode a rant episode because I work with a lot of beginner entrepreneurs. You know, a lot of people who teach entrepreneurship online uh, hesitate to really focus on the beginner audience. But like point number one, I've realized that, The beginner audience is my biggest audience, and y'all need some help, y'all need some help, and I'm here for you because a lot of people stay away because, quote, you're difficult to work with, or, quote, you haven't experienced what it's like to actually start something yet. That's why you need help, that's why I'm here, and I hope that you will come along with me for your journey and uh, consider me your Yoda in your Luke Skywalker hero story that you're building for yourself right now. So if this is of interest to you to stick with me and continue this journey, hit subscribe so you can get new podcast episodes coming your way. We have a lot of great stuff coming your way. For instance, next week we're gonna be talking with two good friends of mine who uh, sort of accidentally fell into entrepreneurship and I hate to say that because it's like, oh, they're lucky it happened. No, this, this came as a result of some major life trauma and they were able to bounce back from it even stronger. So make sure you hit subscribe because, man, these two are so inspirational and maybe they they will become the mentors for you uh, for your life and how you wanna live. But anyway, make sure you hit subscribe. Team Flynn, I hope you're amazing. Thank you so much. Just to recap what we talked about today really quick because that's what Dale Carnegie says. Tell them what you're gonna talk about, talk about it, then tell them what you told them. Uh, today we talked about five major mistakes new entrepreneurs make. The first one is creating a business for everyone. If you serve everybody, guess what? You're serving nobody. Next, continuing to grow just to grow. You always wanna be conscious of where you're at and actually, do you have a place that you could be happy with without always having to feel like you have to continue to grow and scale and get bigger and bigger and bigger? That's where things can unthread and start to fall apart. Thirdly, your competition. Competition is not a bad thing. It could be something used to your benefit and as far as research, competition is the best thing because they are already in there and an audience or reviews or products can tell you what works and what doesn't. Fourth. Mentorship and finding the right mentors for you based on where you wanna be. Now, obviously, a precursor to that is knowing where you wanna be, right? So that you could find the right mentors. If you don't know where you wanna go, a lot of this stuff is gonna be hard for you. And the number five, forgetting that time is so valuable and money can always be made. So value your time, value your worth, charge what you're worth and continue moving forward. Team Flynn, thank you so much for listening in today. I appreciate you so, so much, and uh, can't wait to chat again soon. Hey, really quick, I have a quick story to tell you, and some of you may have heard this story before, but it relates to a $15,000 mistake that I once made back in 2010. You see, what happened was a couple of my friends who were developers created WordPress plugins, premium WordPress plugins that they then sold, And when they sold them and they launched them sort of around the same time, they weren't related to each other. They each made over six figures in their launch, and so what I saw was dollar signs coming out of my eyes, which was the first mistake in this whole process. If you're just chasing the money, that's always going to be sort of a doomed situation. You want to help people, but I got so – Attracted to the possibility that I could also sell a premium WordPress plugin, that I immediately found a developer online. I paid this person, and what was supposed to take six weeks and about five to six thousand dollars that I had in my budget, it took six months and fifteen thousand dollars. Over fifteen thousand dollars and by the end of this whole process i then shared this plugin with a few people who said mm, this isn't done in the way i would do it and you know there's probably things i could do it a lot better now what i first of all this is really the the origin story of my book will it fly which is the whole idea that you know you want to talk to people first about your ideas you don't want to jump into things you want to know why you're doing this and you want to help solve people's problems not just chase dollars and hopefully if you've been following me for a while you know that you shouldn't be doing that either. Now, the other part of the story that I haven't really told anybody was what exactly this plugin idea was. And I'm just gonna tell you, it was a forms plugin. It was a plugin to create forms on your website because that was a, such an underutilized and sort of ancient thing for people way back in 2010. And you know, I'm, I'm quite glad that that didn't work out. First of all, it was a $15,000 lesson. But there have been so many options available now for easily creating forms on your website, none better then WP Forms WP Forms uh, is run by a guy named Saeed who also runs WP Beginner which is an amazing WordPress related site and this plugin WP Forms has been used by over 2 million people and when you check it out and you see it actually you can check it out at wpforms.com/spi they are a sponsor for this episode but I thought it would be perfect to tell the story because I've never told anybody what my plugin idea was and again so glad I didn't do it because WP Forms does it right it's a drag and drop wordpress form builder it's a plugin that you can download you can actually download the light version for free right now and special for just spi users you can get it at 50 percent off if you do want to upgrade to premium but again you can check it out right now at wpforms.com slash spi and what it allows you to do is drag and drop build forms on your website so you can collect information from your audience you can connect it to your email service provider you can collect payments even with this thing it's 100% 100% mobile responsive, it has over 150 templates, and you can manage your leads from there as well, and it has the best spam blockers, there's so much technology that makes it happen behind the scenes, and make it so easy for you to use, and Saeed is a good friend of mine, he and I have been buds for years, and he is one of the smartest guys I know, he, he's even involved in like Cricket, which is a sport for those of you who don't know, not like cricket. The bugs, uh, although I wouldn't be surprised because he does so many amazing things in WP Forms. I, I highly recommend you check it out. So if you want to check it out right now and get the fifty percent off the WP Forms Pro, or you could even try the light version for free right now. Download it, install it. It is super. Uh, it is super customizable, but also they have great service and people who can help you, but you won't need the help because it's so easy to use. You don't even need to know how to code or anything like that. And when you want to place these forms that you build in your sidebar or widgets or in your blog post, it's so easy to use. You'll get it in literally just a minute. So go ahead and check it out, wpforms.com slash SPI, and you're not gonna be disappointed. Hit subscribe if you haven't already and uh, let me know where where you caught this episode if you haven't paused and shot me a photo already. At Pat Flynn on Twitter or at Pat Flynn on Instagram, and I'll share some of those. Thank you so much, Team Flynn, you're amazing. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.